Welcome to the Together for Change podcast series. I'm your host, Marvin O'Kell. As of June 2020, following the untimely death of George Floyd, I've taken on the role of diversity and inclusion officer for the Halifax Wanderers. Since that time, I have hosted a number of Zoom calls with Wanderers fans, members, partners, and others in our community. As of 2021, we've started the podcast as a means of continuing the conversation in a safe space. My aim is that by having these tough and sometimes awkward conversations, we can begin to break down barriers and strengthen culture of diversity and inclusion. Today, I'm joined by Kira Epps. Kira is the manager of soccer options for Pacific FC and is the only female in the league to hold that title. Kira joined Pacific after being raised in Toronto, where she grew up playing multiple sports such as softball, ice hockey, track and field, gymnastics, as well as figure skating. Kira graduated from the University of Victoria, where she studied political science and business. She also played on the varsity field hockey team. Welcome, Kira. Hi, Marvin. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. It's uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, hasn't it, for us? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's funny that it, it kind of took that long for our paths to cross. Yeah, but it's better late than never, as they say, right? Very true. So, Kira, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. I was born and raised in Toronto, um, and I've got an older brother. Both of us ended up migrating out west, so he went to the University of British Columbia, uh, to play varsity baseball and then I ended up going to UVic where I um, wanted to pursue field hockey and those cards didn't really line up but needless to say I had a great five years at the university and never looked back. So I've been out here on the island since 2009 uh, where I met my husband and we call Victoria home now. So yeah, and my, um, my parents are um, born and raised in Toronto themselves. My dad is Jewish Canadian and my mom is full Japanese, but her dad was actually um, born in Vancouver. So um, since then, my parents have also moved out here. And so it's kind of funny when you think is, about it. Is that it. why you ended up going out there is because of the tie? No, actually, not at all. I don't even really think I fully knew the depth of that part of our history at the time. Hmm. But we came to Vancouver almost every year growing up. My godmother lives out here in Vancouver mm-hmm. and my dad did a lot of business out here. And so our March break, spring break, we always came out here to ski and to visit family. So it was a pretty natural progression for me to want to come back out West in my adult life. Yeah. I don't even really think I considered staying in Ontario at that time. I just was ready to go as far out as possible. <laughs> Definitely. I've, it's ironic. I was going to go to BC last year as uh, the one away trip because since 2019 decided that I would try to make it to one stadium every year, but obviously COVID happened, so I didn't get a chance to go. Yeah, it would have been nice. Our, uh, our stadiums are quite similar, I would say, in certain aspects. So it's it's like I love coming to Halifax. That was probably one of my favorite trips. Just the Oh, city you, you were here to watch a game? Yeah, so I actually travel with the team. So my position is uh, manager of soccer operations. And originally, um, I don't think I necessarily thought I was going to end up on the soccer side, but very quickly in first year at the beginning of 2019, it was evident that um, that's kind of where my role would lead for that season at least. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So in the very the inaugural season, I traveled everywhere with the team, did every road trip, went to preseason with them. And then uh, the second year, I ended up going into the bubble with the guys. 
And this year, um, I guess we'll find out what happens. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, let's just dive into a little bit about your trip to Halifax before we move on. Um, what were some of the things that you really enjoyed about Halifax? What do you not enjoy about Halifax? Like, <laughs> I, I've never been to the East Coast. Um, we've got family in Toronto that always vacationed in Prince Edward Island and love it. So it was... It's a beautiful city in the summertime um, and the people were super friendly. The home games were outrageous. Like yeah. the fans <laughs> just get so into it. They love it. <laughs> totally. They're passionate and we make sure to keep them liquored up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm assuming then you would have been here for both the games in that uh, first year. Yeah. So between the two, I think the, the first one would have been like early June. Um, I remember that. That was a yeah. beautiful sunny day. I think Perea scored um, a penalty to win it for us, if my memory's correct. Yeah, I think it was May 30th or June 1st or something like that. I it was June in. 1st. Yeah, and that was a crazy trip for us because, first of all, nobody had fully understood what it meant for us to go to Halifax. We were there for four days, which was crazy. We had to fly in um, way in advance, and we had to figure out, like, was it smarter to do that? Is it better just to come in to the date? Like, it, there was so many things that you had to think about. Yeah, it's um, year one, so it's, it's, yeah. it's figure it out. We'll figure it out here. Yeah, and we actually stayed on the other side. It was a Dartmouth, that trip yeah and um yeah it was fine and then i think it was game day we found out that the bridge was closed oh no that happens a <laughs> so, lot yeah so talking to the bus driver and uh, he's like no problem like we you know blah, blah. so we went another route and <laughs> coach is like what's going on like and yeah like, we got so it figured we, out don't worry yeah we, we made it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a common problem here in halifax it's not always the easiest information to find until you realize you're about to go on the bridge and it's closed. <laughs> yeah. And so then the next trip, we stayed just down the street from Citadel Hall. That was great. Like that was probably, that was my, one of my favorite trips. I think it was our second to last road trip. Edmonton mm -hmm. was our last. And uh, yeah, it was a beautiful weekend. I think it was a Wednesday, actually. We walked the hill. We took the boys with us. We got group photos. Like it was just a nice trip. I don't remember the score of the second game, though I suspect it was probably one of our many ties that we had in the end of the season. Yes, it was also for us, it was uh, Marcel Dion's first game with us because he got injured that season. Mm -hmm. So that was a really big deal. Um, it was also his daughter's birthday. So that oh, was wow. like a great, yeah, that was a great game for him. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's great that we have such, you know, almost legends, uh, Canadian legends in our in our league and yeah. in the founding years. It's you know, it's unfortunate to see that he's he's retired, but, you know, we wish him all the best in uh, mm -hmm. his next chapter of his life. Yeah, yeah, definitely an amazing role model in person. Jumping back into, you know, your family history, because uh, it is Asian Heritage Month, uh, for those who don't know. So you mentioned your father is from where? So my dad is Jewish Canadian, mm -hmm. and my mom is Japanese. Um, so I mixed. And growing up, we celebrated everything on both sides. We did every high holiday um, with the Jewish religion. And we also, not that we did like um, Catholic Christian holidays, but we mm -hmm. celebrated our Japanese side through cuisine and food and just gatherings. And so- um, Is there any like big, uh, you know, Japanese celebrations that you would celebrate though outside of 
anything like different? Yeah, not necessarily. So as we got older, we started having those types of conversations with my my mom. My grandma never talked about the war and and the struggles of coming over to Canada. And we lost my grandfather when I was three, so pretty early on. I think if anything, they were just super proud to be Canadian and they mm. considered themselves Canadian. Mm. And I think as I've gotten older, I kind of see it a different way now is I am thankful for their strength and mentality to just push through. But at the same time, I want to honor that side and understand our religion. And we still have family there. My mom keeps in touch with them. And Where specifically. Um, they are so my grandma's from yokohama i believe her brother now lives just outside of tokyo though okay um and that's kind of where the family is so Another just outside of, the places of tokyo. on my bucket list to be honest yeah <laughs> we're pretty fortunate each grandkid i've got two cousins um, we each got to go to japan with grandma when we were young yeah so i was very young i don't remember it specifically but it was amazing. And I was actually supposed to go last year, or sorry, this year with my husband and then COVID decided to keep going. So that oh, got postponed, but yeah, that's okay. It'll happen eventually. Definitely. I mean, the funny thing is for me, I didn't really know much about Japan and I'm not, not that I know that much more now, but since watching uh, Tokyo Drift, it really put it on the radar for me. <laughs> that was an incredible movie. And Honestly, I had a small crush for Natalie Kelly after that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I um, have a really good friend from university who taught himself the language, just kind of engulfed himself in or immersed himself in the culture. And it's kind of inspiring, actually. So he probably knows way more um, than I do in that sense. But uh, What's we, one unique thing you can tell us about, about uh, Japan that we might not know? They have the craziest things in vending machines. So here we have like Coke and Pepsi and chocolate bars and chips. And that's great. There you can get full on meals. You can get sushi. You can get like hot meals. Like you can eat a full dinner from a vending machine. Wow. Which to me is wild. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. like, and it's quite common and not just in Japan, but in most of Asia. Like, is that just because you, you think space is limited? So they had to get creative with solutions for that? Or? Yeah. And I just think they're just so innovative when it comes to technology and pushing um, processes forward. And just a completely different world, actually, is to me how I envision it. And I can't wait just to go and take it all in and I just feel like you just gotta I, I don't know is it better to pick one or two major cities and just live it or is it better to go on that train and zip around like I don't I guess know it depends yet, on the person and the place true right because if there's like a cluster of things you can do in one area that's great but if it takes mm -hmm. a day to get from one place to another then maybe it is worth spending a couple days once you're there that's the way I look yeah at it. Yeah. Now there's actually a really interesting tie between Victoria and Japan. Oh, I think it's a doctor. Like he's, I'm pretty sure there is a memorial site at the hospital here in Victoria and in his hometown in Japan, which actually I don't remember the city now, we exchange gifts as cities. Mm. And so there's a pretty strong tie when it comes to uh, the Japanese culture and Victoria as well. So um, again, something I learned just living here and talking to people 
and it's it's pretty cool like it's that's awesome yeah you almost kind of think like was I meant to end up here and what were we meant to come back full circle all yeah. of these years later to kind of reconnect spiritually yeah I, I believe in full circle you know and to share a little bit just of like I know what you mean with your parents, especially leaving home and just really trying to push through and immerse themselves in Canadian culture and allow you to experience and feel like you're from here and be able to feel like you belong. But as children, like, like you're right, I think we have this responsibility to make sure that we, we don't forget to ask our parents about their roots and because their roots are our roots right and you know I know even like for my parents it's tough for for them to talk about being back home because you know they had to leave everything they knew as refugees so it can be tough for parents to talk about it but I think it's so important that we um, celebrate and you know acknowledge our heritage because we can't know where we're going if we don't know where we've been. Totally there is um, we sorry, we lost my grandmother in August of 2016. And after that, my mom just really opened up about a lot of her background and cleaning up some of the stuff from her house. The house uh, that she passed in was like her only home in Toronto, filled with history, filled with artifacts. And the more and more they cleaned it out, the more they found that I think helps connect the storyline as well. So she found things like when you wash clothes and you're wringing it out on that board, like the washing board, the actual, like that's from Japan. Like they found that they found bins. So rice used to come in these metal bins Mm -hmm. and not bags. And they found those original um, steel tin bins. And she kept all of that. She found wagons from her childhood. Like it was incredible. They found a vacuum cleaner, like (laughs) just (laughs) things that were so old but yet so precious and um she's brought actually quite a bit of that out here with us and yeah like it's really cool she also found her passport so her original Japanese passport which is in mint condition which doesn't surprise me my grandma (laughs) at all and um what's really cool is she met my grandfather who is Japanese Canadian and he was considered the first generation generations of uh, Niseis, which is Japanese born in Canada. During World War II, he actually ended up being in Japan because he went home to visit family. So his family in Vancouver ended up getting interned in Greenwood, BC, but him himself was considered an enemy of the state in Japan because he was Canadian. Wow. And so he ended up kind of hiding out with the US Embassy in Japan and being able to translate all of the codes that they were picking up wow. because he could speak Japanese. And like, that's just wild to me. That is, that's <laughs> yeah. incredible. He met my grandmother cause she was working in the cafeteria apparently. These are stories that we hear mm-hmm. and, uh, and obviously fell in love and got married. And so they got married in 54 mm-hmm. and my grandfather ended up going back to Canada just after they got married. So they actually have like, we have their marriage record and photos. And then it was like very quickly after, like maybe within a week of him leaving back to Canada on a boat. And we have his records of that. And then we also have her passports that show that she had her health check to leave Japan and what boat she went on to. And then there's actually a a date 
in which she has to arrive at her location before. Mm. But she's on a boat, right? And so God knows what could have happened along those journeys. And so she ended up getting off in Vancouver and took the train across Canada to meet him actually at the time in Hamilton. So that's where his family ended up after the concert, uh, the internment camps. That's, un- then, that's an unbelievable journey. And yeah. it's crazy, you know, especially in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of, unfortunately, people having to make journeys like that on boats and, and sometimes a lot crazier situations, you know, like just this morning, I watched video of a bunch of um, Dominican uh, residents who were on boats trying to get into Puerto Rico because of the situation that's going on in the Dominican. Like, it's it's unbelievable how almost common that story is. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, I didn't really know much of that growing up because grandma never really spoke about that, right? And she didn't, hmm. we never even touched that side of it. And it goes even farther back a generation to our great-grandfather who was in World War One and actually also fought for Canada. Wow. So he enlisted, um, he was in Vancouver. Sorry, so he fought in the Russo-Japan War mm-hmm. in like 04, 1904, 05, and then came to Canada and then ended up not being able to enlist in Vancouver. So then went to Calgary to enlist and then fought for Canada in World War One, which was crazy as well. And so what's really cool growing up most years when we came to Vancouver there's a plaque at Stanley Park and it's honoring World War One veterans and my grandfather's name is on that and where is Stanley oh, sorry Park? my great-grandfather um that's in Vancouver it's crazy how many similarities we have because there's Stanley Parks here there's Greenwood here there's really oh yeah. my gosh <laughs> That's incredible. And we're on complete opposite yeah. coast of the country. I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So that was perhaps, I guess you could call it a tradition that we would do. We would usually go by there and say hello. And history is interesting. It's super cool. Very much so. And honestly, I didn't care much for, for history in high school and, and before. It's, it's really only after once I got into university and stuff that history starts to matter and I think that comes with maturity because some people do mature um, quicker than others but also um, some people just genuinely find history interesting from a young age I I wasn't one of those I don't know about you I think I've always liked history but I don't think I necessarily thought of it as an importance to Mm -hmm. understanding things and everything is based on history. Your perspective is even based on history of how you were raised and what you know, your family influences are. And so I think as I've gotten older as well, like you just mentioned, it's more interesting. You want to find out more. And I probably seen almost every World War II thing on Netflix just because it's interesting to me. Yeah, no, it's, it completely is. And like, especially now that, you know, I'm involved in, you know, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion work, like it's so much more important that I know history because I, I, I've read so much. I've, I've learned so much, you know, since starting this position. Admittedly, I don't remember who the quote was from, but we repeat, history repeats itself because the present doesn't care to learn about the past. That says so much. And it's so true. Like there's so many things that you look at that are happening now that it's like these happened 50 years ago, you know, 100 years ago, 300 years ago. And it's like, I think that's why education is something that people advocate for so much, because education allows us to know that these things happened before and find ways to like avoid them. Right. Exactly. And I think 
to me, that is what diversity really is. It's education and understanding that because how are you really supposed to, I guess, even formulate your own opinion without knowing, perhaps even trying to understand both sides. Hmm. Is it something, you know, you did mention that um, your, you know, your father is Jewish. Do you guys talk a lot about the history? Not, not really, to be honest. I don't know a whole lot on the history on that side of my family, actually. Like, I think my dad might even be third, fourth generation Canadian. And so um, I know it goes back to Poland. Um, but in terms of more than that, I don't actually know as much. Um, it would be super interesting, though. And yeah, I right now I don't know a whole lot. Well, there's always time to learn more, right? Exactly. We're still young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, one of the things, obviously, that's happening right now in, in, uh, in terms of the world um, this this whole Palestine and Israel, you know, this, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's been going on for a long time, but, you know, we're really seeing it ripple over right now, especially because of the power of, you know, globalization and social media, we're, we're able to see everything. Right. You know, what, what is your thoughts on just how heavy that is? Yeah, it's extremely difficult um, to watch. And I think because it's so deep rooted in the past, Mm -hmm. that it's kind of, um, it's a lot to even absorb. Similarly, though, I think, and and perhaps this is just because I'm here, um, but the anti-Asian crime rate, even in Vancouver itself, I think they're saying like, COVID triggered it, but it's always been there. And so similar to this, it's always been there for, for the people that live there. Mm. And it's just probably part of their, their lives now. And so I think it, it, it is hard to like watching the news. You're not too sure what sides you're given either. Um, yeah. So understanding that, you know, what you're seeing is obviously very true mm-hmm. and very difficult, um, but you kind of have to understand both sides yeah and, and that's why history is why. important yeah exactly but in this sense you know there would you you know go as far as saying there is an oppressor in this situation Pardon me? is there would you go as far as saying there is an oppressor between the two sides in this situation I know it's a heavy question but yeah um I think the way that you can look at it one way to look at it is are the way they go about, I guess, violence Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. So you can view it as the Israelis have what, the second largest military in the world and- And allies to match. Right. And it may look like they are oppressing Palestine. Mm -hmm. However, are the actions and the violence, the way that Palestine is being violent, is that more oppressive because they're choosing to bomb and attack all civilians Mm -hmm. while Israelis, perhaps you can look at it as they're only choosing to target specifically and they don't want to necessarily have these other casualties. If it means hitting specific, um, I don't know, quote unquote terrorist groups, Mm -hmm. then, you know, like, how do you look at that? Who's the oppressor then? Mm, I guess I guess it's tough. And this is why, you know, like I said, knowing the history of how it all began, 
is really important. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been trying to, you know, figure out as much of it as possible as I can. And it's like you just said, it's tough to even trust your sources. Yeah, um, because on. I think, yeah, like if you look at it historically and it comes down to land and territory, mm -hmm. well, yeah, like if the Arab community was there first, then how can you say that they weren't oppressed, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the other side of it. At the same time, you've got the Jewish population that was run out of their homes during World War II to then find a state to call home. Yeah. and start again right like everyone's got their stories and it's it's super challenging it's tough to find you know how, how do how do we get it to end you know is it just yeah. continuing educate people on the history and of awareness yeah. through news and other platforms or what's your and um, that to me and sorry this kind of goes back to um the asian part of the conversation is hmm where do we go from there, right? And so something that I've been taught through my family is the perhaps the mental um, thought process of the Japanese after the internment camps. So they were not only stripped of all of their personal goods and mm -hmm. their homes and their property, um, but they were put into internment camps. And then afterwards, it was almost like certain um, Japanese Canadians didn't feel any or didn't show any resentment towards mm. the Canadian state. Mm. And so there's a saying, it is what it is, and now I move on. Mm. And to me, I guess that kind of represents how you can move on. Yeah. But then at the, like, and if that's how my grandmother chose to live her life, I can't falter for that. But what's interesting is now being an adult and thinking about all of that, like it kind of makes me angry <laughs> yeah. only because it's like her whole life was thrown upside down and yet she was the happiest person she was the most positive person the most loving and caring like I like should she have fought more should she have but at, like what what would she what would she fight for you know exactly. at the end of the day her like, choosing to be positive has you know resulted in a, a good life for you and your family Exactly. Yeah. And so when you bring it back to what can we do to help people that are oppressed and cultures that are oppressed, like, I don't think we can tell them how to, but mm. if that is an example of one way to better you, to help you maybe get through something, well, a, a whole generation was able to do it. And I can only imagine the mental strength that they gained from all of that, that then you then pass down into generations. That's very well said. You know, it's, 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 it's clear to see your parents have both given you an interesting perspective on it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's good that you took the turn to learn from the time to learn from them. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. people don't engage um, with their parents. And I have so many friends um, who I'm constantly like asking about their parents and they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, don't you want to know? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Like uh, another interesting kind of fact is on my husband's side, they're German. Okay. And so that's like a whole other part to understand and we have been to um, Bavaria and, and have met his grandmother's side that live in the house um, mm -hmm. that was bombed during the war mm -hmm. and they live in the town where the first concentration camp happened and so 
we don't talk about all of that necessarily with his grandmother, but at the same time, it is really important for me to understand what those layers are too and to respect it because truthfully, like I've got it on both sides now, right? Like you, you've got all of this history to decide how you want to carry that forward now. It's in the news all around us. Like there's just so much going on all the time and the movement is coming. It's we're pushing for change and we're pushing for the language to change. And that requires education. 100%. I couldn't agree more. You know, education is the best starting point you can have, you know, be it um, an individual trying to get themselves caught up, be it an organization, be it a committee, whatever it may be. I think that, you know, starting at a point of education and understanding the history and the language and everything behind something is really a great way to make sure that you have a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Flipping it back uh, to soccer a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so it brought us together. Yes. And, you know, we're, it's, we're now part of a, you know, a committee together that I'm really proud is, is happening. And, uh, you know, it's, it's better late than never, as they say. So it's, it's good that we now at the CPL have a, a diversity committee that we're working towards, you know, further change. Um, what, what are some of your personal goals from that? Yeah, I think the diversity, um, equality and inclusion, sorry, committee um, is is going to be a, is a hopefully going to be a really good start to those conversations. I'm pretty fortunate here at Pacific to kind of be around people who are very open to those conversations. Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any less awkward. Yeah. Um, and I think I always say is like, we're never taught those tough conversations. Like no one knows actually how to do it or necessarily handle yourself in them. But until you start, you know, it's trial and error. Yeah. Um, but we've got a really good office crew here that just try to learn. And um, if I can take the conversations or the resources that we're going to gain from being part of this committee back to the club. And then we're able to then open that up to our local community. Then I think I'm doing my part. And I, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty honored and proud to be a part of that. We have a lot of history on the Island and I think Pacific is going to go into a direction pretty soon here to showcase that and to honor it and to start talking and um, join hands with that. And I think that's really important. Like yeah. it's, it's super important. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm good at it. And I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm, I'm the first to make those moves, but I'm willing to be a part of it. And I would like to be a part of it. Definitely. And it's not, it doesn't really matter if you're ever the first, it's just making sure that you're not the last. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That the train just keeps going. Exactly. And it's great, you know, even from a continuation standpoint, it's great that I was able to talk to to Pa, you know, a few months ago. And now I'm talking to you and hearing your another perspective, you know, um, because your perspective is much different from Pa for for various reasons. Obviously, we're we're a product of nature and nurture. So you guys are completely different in those aspects. (laughs) (laughs) But is it like working with Pa? Oh, Pa. Um, Pa has been great. Like he obviously is 
like the life of the party, right? You hear him throughout. We have a really small office and you hear Paul come up the stairs or leave and um, it's always exciting. But I, I learned a lot in my first year working with Bob. Um, he's kind of given me the opportunity to sit in on things and to grow and to observe. And I think no way is the wrong way. Um, mm -hmm. You just got to figure out what works for you. And um, yeah, like I, there aren't too, too many females yet um, on the soccer side. Um, we've got a good group going and, and I like, and I think it's only going to continue. And I don't necessarily have a football background, but I have an athletic background and I'd like to be able to use that experience to be successful and to better myself in this position. And I'm not too sure where my role will lead in the future, um, but he's been a big part of the shift. And for that, I'm very thankful. I, I echo your thoughts, honestly. I, there's so many pinch me moments I have working for the Wanderers and I'm like, I still can't believe we have a pro soccer team in, in my city, you know, like yeah. we have a yeah. pro league in our country. Like it's, it's incredible. And, um, give people a little bit of a teaser um i am going to be having a podcast with paul Byrne, who helped found yes. the cpl so yeah. you know, really looking forward to going full you know full circle and talking to somebody who was you know one of the major reasons why it happened i had the privilege of meeting paul um, in dominican in preseason in first year and i had no idea what the heck was going on um, <laughs> i just woke up one day and was down there and um paul actually took a second to kind of pull me aside and that conversation was huge for me and i'll never forget just the time he took to to sit down and talk to me mm. and i don't even think i really realized the significance he had at the time i learned that later on <laughs> and um yeah reached out again later on and yeah, he he's incredible. So I think it'll be great to to hear what he has to say, and hope he's just doing well. Definitely. And do you want to? Sh is there anything you can share from what he told you that in that conversation? Any tidbits or private? <laughs> Which is fair. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I think the just the biggest thing that I took away from it was not necessarily quote unquote to keep going, but just like trust yourself. I think there was just such a learning curve at that time for me that I wasn't fully understanding perhaps like the flow of things yet. And I think he could tell that I had potential and that I just needed that time and patience. Mm. And when you're thrown into things, I still believe that is one of the greatest ways of learning, um, but it's challenging. And that probably was one of the most difficult positions I had ever been in. But I think he saw that I wanted it really badly, that I, I wanted to learn and be good, but perfection wasn't the priority. So that was a huge growing up year for me, but it only takes one voice, right? One voice to kind of change your own motivation. And from, I think that point on, it was just kind of, okay, keep going, just got to keep going, trust yourself, learn, fall, get up, fall again. Exactly. And yeah.
That's awesome. Now you've, you've done a great job and you know, I've you just in the week I've known you, you, you're incredibly professional, you're motivated and, and you're, you're genuine. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to continue working with you and uh, thank you for joining us today on this podcast. This has been a really great conversation and uh, one of many that I'm sure we'll have. So thank you for joining us uh, together from away. And I look forward to continuing to work together with you uh, together for change. Thank you, Marvin. And thanks for giving us this platform to do so. I really look forward to our conversations too. Me too. Me too. Thank you, Kira. And you have a great day. All right. You too.